0: welcome to twice born podcasts my name is mike bailey thank you so much for listening we'd love to get your feedback and if you have any questions please go to twiceborn.net you can also find us on social media i hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative god bless the mission that christ gave his disciples before he ascended into heaven and he says in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And so here we see that we have an all-in kind of God. We have an all-in Messiah, an all-in Savior. Uh, All authority has been given to him. He wants us to go to the entire planet. Uh, He wants us to teach all that he has commanded us. Um, he, He and all of the Trinity are involved, both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's calling us to be all in. He doesn't want part of us. He doesn't want a little bit of us. He doesn't want the side or the the leftovers. He wants all of us this morning. And so as we go on mission for him, we desire to please him and we desire to live for him and we desire to share him with others. And so as we've looked, first we talked last week, uh, two weeks ago actually, about who is your one? Who is the one person that God created and put in your life to share the gospel with? Who is the one person in your mission field, the one person that God uh, wove together in their mother's womb so that they would come into this earth at this time, at this place, so that you would have interaction and relationship with them? Who is the one person in your life that God intentionally put you here to reach? Have you prayed about it? Have you considered it? Have you realized that you have a very important role on this planet You were not by mistake. It wasn't by chance that you existed. It is not uh, happenstance that we're here today. Everything that is happening, everything that has occurred in your life is for a singular purpose, for you to worship God and to share that worship with others through sharing the gospel. And so I would encourage you as, as a body, as individuals, that we would all recognize that there are people in our lives that desperately need us to share Jesus with them and for us to pray daily for those opportunities, that we would lovingly, compassionately encourage them and share the gospel in a way that they understand. You can't force anyone to believe. I can't force anyone to believe. It is a personal decision. It's a personal relationship. But it's something that we all have to be willing to do when we're called to do it. Uh, Paul says to be ready in season and out of season. Peter, all the disciples were cast into a place of of, uh, adversity and challenge that they were ready to share and do what God asked them to do. We need to be uh, and do likewise. Last week we talked about reaching our community, or this week we're talking about reaching our community, the importance of reaching the people that live around us. How many of you have noticed that uh, there's just a lot of stuff outside people's houses right now? Um, I don't think I can remember a time when I would drive around and just be heartbroken for so many people. And maybe even you yourself, this is, a, this is a challenging day because you've had to take things out that you've cherished. How many people I've heard of, of losing pictures, photo albums, um, things that meant so much to them that were lost to never be found again, never have again. What a heartbreaking situation we find ourselves in. But even in the midst of that heartbreak, what an opportunity for the love of Christ to be revealed in our community. What an opportunity God has given us To share the good news. That yes, this world is broken. Yes, hurricanes, disasters, plagues will come upon this world. But there's an answer to all of that through Christ. And that there's a hope that goes beyond a government. A hope that goes beyond a dollar. A hope that goes beyond even rebuilding. There's a hope in Christ that our community needs to hear. They need to have that opportunity to make the decision and so we want to focus this month of October is our Missions Emphasis Month. We're focusing our hearts, our minds, uh, the scriptures, all the things that we're talking about is how can we be on mission? How can we be disciples who make disciples? How can we share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people that live around us, the people we interact with? And today we're going to talk about what will happen if, if we do nothing. What will happen if we do nothing? And as we had begun the service talking about Yom Kippur and and the need for sacrifice, that life could not just keep going on as it always had. I don't know about you, maybe you can relate to this, but there are times in your life where challenges come up and all you want to do is ignore them. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever had things happen where you just didn't want to deal with it? You just hope if I ignore it, maybe it will get better or go away right? Like some of you, you have that check engine sign on in your car and you just put a sticker over it and pretend like everything's okay. But how many things in life are like that? How many things in our lives are just, we know they're there. We know they're challenging. We know they're obstacles. We know they need to be dealt with, but we don't have the energy. We don't have the desire. We don't really even know maybe how to fix them. And so we ignore them. Well, sin is one of those things we cannot ignore. And God could not ignore it. Amen. Some people will say, and I've heard it said, that, you know, if God is a loving God, why doesn't He just forgive us? Why doesn't he just say, You're forgiven, you know, I'm not gonna your sin, I'm not gonna judge you for it, I'm not gonna hold you accountable for it. Why don't I why don't you just forgive everyone? If he's a loving God, why doesn't he just forgive everyone? The problem with that is if he if he forgives everyone without any justification, he becomes an evil God because he dismisses sin, he overlooks evil, he doesn't deal with the problem. And that is why the gospel is so important, that is why it's so essential. It is God not overlooking the problem and bringing the only solution. And that solution was the blood, the blood of Christ, the body of Christ. In a few moments, we're going to come to the Lord's table. And we're going to celebrate the fact that Christ gave his body and he gave his blood as a sacrifice for us. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but what is blood? What is the importance of blood? Why is blood so important? It's one of those things I think about all the time. How in the world do we work? How do our bodies work? How does this whole thing work? And we're told, you know, you have to have a certain amount of blood within your body coursing through your veins for you to live. But Why? Why is that the case? What is our blood doing that's so vitally important? Why is it that animals and humans need blood to survive? What is it about blood that gives life? And as we have grown in our understanding of the universe through science and and technology, we've recognized some of the things about blood. We really don't completely understand how blood works. But we do know that one of the things blood does is it takes the oxygen from our lungs, distributes to the different parts of our body. It brings uh, different ways of healing to different parts of our body. It has a lot of functions. But I think the most unique and the most interesting to me is that it carries oxygen. And that in Scripture we're told that God breathed the breath of life into Adam. And that there's something about oxygen that's on our planet, not in outer space. Something about oxygen that brings life to us. And it is the oxygen that God has supplied to us. And that oxygen finds its way to all the parts of our body through our veins and our blood. And that's why our blood and our veins and our circulatory system are so valuable and so important. And so as we look at the physical world, we see the the value of blood. Without blood, we die. Without oxygen, we die. Without them working perfectly together, we die. We don't exist. In the spiritual, it is true as well. Without the blood of Christ covering the sins that I have committed, I am dead. You are dead. His life, his perfection, his blood is the only hope that any of us have. And so today, as we come, we gotta, we always need to take a step back, especially in church, because we can get busy helping people cleaning out their houses, doing a lot of great works. We can get really busy as people doing a lot of wonderful things and miss that the whole picture is the gospel picture. Without the gospel, even helping people is pointless. Without the gospel, without the shedding of blood and sins being forgiven, it doesn't matter what we do. It is the only thing that solves the problem. It is the only cure. It is the only hope that any of us have. And it's so vitally important that we remind ourselves of that. That when we gather, yes, this is not new for any of us in this room. It's not new that this blood is so important. It's not new that this is what gives us hope and eternity and value to life. But we need to be reminded because we get distracted. And we get pulled away. And we begin to think other things are really, really important when they're never nearly as important as this. And that even if all of our government problems get solved, and even the world's problems get solved, we're still in a broken, sin-filled world. And the only answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at it this morning, my question for myself, what if I do nothing? What if I don't share? What if I don't live out my purpose? What What if I'm not a vessel of God that's willing to share my faith? What if you do not do what God put you on earth to do? What if we... As a church, don't accomplish the task that God has given us. That should motivate us, challenge us, and really inspire us as individuals to be faithful to the calling God's put on our life. And so before we look to God's word, let's precede it with prayer. Ask him to speak to us individually, motivate us, challenge us, and grow us as we look to become like him. Let's precede his word with prayer. Father God, we thank you for the oxygen that gives us life, Um, how you have created us so intricately, so complex, that so many things are occurring in our bodies that we're not telling them to do, but they're doing them because you tell them what to do. And Lord, we pray that that our strength would not be in our flesh and blood, but would be in you. And Lord, as we consider the task ahead of us, The task of being um, your mouth, your voice on this earth to share the good news. To be ready in season and out of season. That this is a great task that we cannot overlook. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be guilted into this, but we would be inspired at the what could be of lives transformed. Of people that are dead in their transgressions and sin made alive by your grace and your sacrifice. Lord, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word, that it would um, inspire us, but also, Lord, that it would enlighten us, that we would see things more clearly, and that we would be more committed to doing what you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we look at this topic of... The importance of Christ's blood and sacrifice we have to look back to the Old Testament so if you have your Bibles uh, the front half of the Bible you're gonna find a book called Leviticus uh, Genesis Exodus Leviticus and then numbers Leviticus is towards the front of the Bible it's a part of the foundation if you go through it you're gonna find a lot of laws a lot of um, uh, governance but the truth of the matter is Leviticus helps us have a foundational view of life and in Leviticus 17 verse 11 Here's what it tells us, a very important truth. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have appointed to you to make atonement on the altar for your lives, since it is the blood, it is the lifeblood that makes atonement. Now, one of the interesting things as I was studying this and looking into this, this word atonement, uh, I'm pretty sure you've never used this into your day-to-day life. Have any of you ever used atonement? in your day-to-day life. This is a Bible word. This is a, church, a churchy Christian word, but it's a powerful word. It's a word we need to understand and grasp and, and, and apply in our lives. Atonement, meaning cleansing or uh, purifying, and, and really what it means, it means more than just cleaning the outside, because God doesn't just make us good on the outside. He transforms us completely. God did not leave heaven to indwell a human body, to make bad people good. Did you know that? He did not leave heaven to indwell a human body to make bad people good. He left heaven to live a perfect life, to make spiritually dead people alive. That we are dead in our transgressions. We are dead in our sins. We're not bad in our sins. We're not a little flawed in our sins. We don't have a lot of mistakes that we have to clear up and get right. No, we're we're spiritually dead. We're completely dead in these sins. These sins have made us unavailable to God's home in heaven, unavailable to the holiness of God, to the purity of God, and to to be in the relationship that God has created us for. And so there has to be something done about it. And initially what was done was a foreshadowing. What initially was done is let's take the sacrifice that is sacrificed uh, by the high priest and taken to the Holy of Holies as a representation, not as the final, but as a representation of what is yet to come, which is Jesus, the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of mankind. And so that blood was a symbol of what was yet to come, which was Christ's blood. Because only through Jesus's blood could our sins be covered and could we be brought back to life in the newness of life that God has for us. But you know, in all of this, there is a problem. And I've just kind of revealed the problem, but it's it's a problem that we don't want to overlook. The problem reveals itself most clearly in John chapter 6, verse verse 53. If you want to turn to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John chapter 6, verse 53. And this is where the majority of the text today is. So Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourself. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Verse 61. Jesus, knowing in himself that the disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, does this offend you? From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Do you know what one of the crimes that was wagered against the Christians in the first church? It was cannibalism. Cannibalism. Because the Romans heard that these groups of people were gathering and they were worshiping this guy Jesus. And they were eating his body. They were were having communion. They were eating his body and drinking his blood. And so they thought literally that was what was happening. And so one of the reasons Christianity became outlawed in the first century was because they thought we were cannibals. And the truth of the matter is Jesus didn't make it easy on the front end. He didn't say that this is going to be so easy, you'll completely understand it, uh, and none of it will challenge you. Actually, he said, Consider the cost when you come to be my disciple. He said, Look, this is by faith that you follow me. And there are things you're not going to totally grasp, and there are things you're not going to totally comprehend. But if you're willing to trust me, you're willing to put your faith into me, I will make them clear. But one of the things you and I, and if you're a believer in this room, I hope that you do not get frustrated in sharing the gospel. Not everyone everywhere is going to say, yes, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The truth is, we've talked about it. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Many there that go by it. Few there that find the path that leads to salvation. Because it is narrow. And so when we share this, maybe you've shared this with a grandchild, maybe you've shared this with a niece or a nephew, maybe you've shared the gospel with someone you care about and they've rejected it as foolishness. How could you believe that absurdity that is outdated, that is beyond, we're way beyond that now, we know much better than that now. There are many people that will look at Christianity and will reject it based on these things. And it will test your faith. And will you still have the bravery and courage to stand up and declare the gospel, even in the midst of ridicule? Will you not be ashamed of the one who's given you salvation? This is our challenge. This is the problem. The problem is we have the greatest gift that anyone could ever have, but there's a lot of people who don't want the gift. We have the most wonderful news that the world needs to hear, but much of the world doesn't want to hear it. And so it's a challenge. We cannot deny that this is a challenge. We cannot deny that this is a difficult task ahead of us. But we also must recognize that in the midst of the group, there are still those who seek. There are still those who desire. There are still those who will receive the gift and, and be under the covering of Christ's blood and receive that atonement for their lives. And so even if it were for the one, even if your whole life you shared with millions or thousands of people, and you only reached one, it would be worth it. It would be absolutely worth it. All the rejection, all the ridicule, all those saying you're foolish, how could you believe something like that? How how in this day and age are you following this? That's okay. Paul says when you get to the place where you love God so much and you realize the, the beauty of following Christ, you consider it joy when people do that. And in the midst of it, you pray for them, and you, you desire for them to come to Christ. We all, if we're going to be true followers of Christ, need to desire for people to know him. Even if they seem as far away as possible at this moment, we need to desire for them, for the scales to fall off like Saul so they can become Paul. But it is not easy, and we need to be steadfast and strong and not let our emotions and, and let our feelings be hurt. Because not everyone is going to like this message. Not everyone's going to receive the message of a death on a cross. Not everyone's going to say, yes, that makes sense to me. He went to a cross, died on it, and then rose again to give us eternal life. Many will ridicule that. Many will think that's foolish. Even God himself says, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It will not make sense. And that's okay. We need to continue to pray and not give up. Do not lose heart. Continue to share the gospel, even though not everyone will accept it. I remember hearing about missionaries that had gone to China, and they spent 40 years trying to reach a tribe there in China, a village. And for 40 years, they made three converts. In 40 years, they made three converts. Now, for us, we'd say, what a failure. Many people would say, that's a failure. They spent all that time and only had three people come to Christ. But you know they faithfully went and did that. And today because those people, those three individuals in China, got on fire for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they began to share it in a, in a passionate way with their neighbors, with their family members, we can trace over a million people that are believers today because of those three. The three. It's not about how we perceive it, it's what God is doing. It's not about if we feel like we failed or the world feels like we failed. It's are we obedient to what God has called us to do? Am I obedient to share with the people that God has called me to share with? And so we need to recognize, no matter the challenge, God is calling us to a greater calling in our lives. It's interesting to me, if you study this passage in John chapter 6, Jesus actually reveals the why people don't understand. He gives the why, and I think it's powerful and it's important uh, that we recognize the why. Why won't people understand? Jesus clarifies in the same passage where he says, you must eat my, my flesh and drink my blood. Here's how he clarifies it in verse 62. Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Jesus returning to his place in heaven. The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh... Doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Do you see what he said? The people that walked away, it said disciples walked away, meaning people had kind of given up some stuff and started walk, walking with Jesus. Uh, maybe they heard him on the Sermon on the Mount, and they heard the Beatitudes, and it impacted them, and, and they said this might be the Messiah, this might be the Chosen One, and they started following him, and they were considered his disciples, but were told when he said, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh, they, that was too much. They couldn't handle that, and they turned away and left him and stopped walking with the Lord. And Jesus clarifies after he says this. He says, look, the flesh won't save you. The flesh won't save you. Your works, your deeds, your good actions and good thoughts will not save you. There is nothing that can save you in the physical, only the spiritual. This is why in John chapter 3, when Jesus talks to Nicodemus, he says you must be born again. You must be twice born. You are born of the flesh, which is your physical existence, but your spirit is dead. You must be born spiritually so that you have a spiritual life. Only those who worship God in spirit, in truth, will have relationship in his home, in heaven. And so Jesus is saying, look, all those that heard that they have to eat my flesh and drink my blood could only see and understand the physical. They could not understand the spiritual. And because their eyes were not open, their ears did not hear, and their minds did not comprehend, they could not accept that because that is far too radical for them to believe. And so they rejected it. And Jesus is saying, look, I was in heaven before I was on earth. I am eternal. I have come here for a spiritual purpose. I haven't come here to fix uh, Israel and make me the king. I've come here to set the captives free from sin and set up my eternal kingdom. And so he's saying to them, look, the problem is my, my blood is being shed in a spiritual way for your sins. My body is being broken in a spiritual way, both physically on the cross, but ultimately it's spiritually. It's the spiritual sacrifice of being separated from his father, his pure and undefiled, sinless blood being shed on the cross as an innocent, holy God, come to earth to save us from our sins. And so here he clarified it to them. He says, look, if you live and your whole view is this life, which is really easy to fall into that trap... What am I going to do the rest of my life? How am I going to make my life comfortable? How am I going to make my life secure? How am I going to make it to the end? If all you think about is the physical and the here and now and what is to come in this life, you will miss the spiritual. Because the spiritual has a much greater gasp, a a vast vision of the future eternity. Its gaze is not upon just today. It's upon forever, all the days. The days that we don't even understand because they're past this life. And in the spiritual, you are dead until Christ's blood makes you alive. And the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. Jesus then breaks it down even further. He says in verse 67, So Jesus said to the twelve, these are his close. These are the ones that have been with him for three years. These are the ones that he has, uh, he's lived with. He's been on the boat in the middle of the storm with. He's gone through all the ups and downs with, feeding the 5,000, all these things. Jesus says to them, You don't want to go away too, do you? Right? Have you ever been in the middle of something really challenging in your life? And this question comes, am I going to give up on my faith? Am I going to walk away from my faith right now? Because things got really hard. Things are happening I can't understand. Difficulties have come about that I didn't expect. Am I going to leave them? Am I going to walk away in this moment? This is a pinnacle moment for the disciples. It's a tense moment. All of the other, a large group, we don't know how many, have left, have walked away. Simon Peter answers, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter had eternal perspective. He understood that there was no other opportunity, there was no other hope, there was no other sacrifice that could satisfy the cost of sin. He put it out there. Have you ever put that thought out there? If not Christ, then who? When I share the gospel, sometimes the the conversation gets to a place where I, I, I ask You know, if it's not Jesus, then you are Jesus. And I know for myself, I don't really have much for me to offer me. If I die, I don't offer myself eternal life. I don't offer myself eternal wisdom. I don't offer myself eternal guidance. You know what I offer myself? A limited perspective, which leads to anxiety and stress. I offer myself very, very little. And if, if most people were honest, if we were all honest, we'd recognize if there is no Christ, then we are absolutely hopeless. If not Christ, then who? You, me, us, the government? Who? Who solves the problem? Who solves this problem of sin and death? And so Peter recognized that and he said, you are the holy one. You are the true one and holy God. He declared Christ to not only be 100% man, he claimed that Christ was 100% God. That God's solution to the sin problem had been revealed. And that it was up to us now to receive, believe, and follow. John, who was Jesus' cousin, was baptizing people in the wilderness. He was declaring that the Messiah was soon to come and he says this amazing thing. It's the first time it's said in the Bible. It's very unique. John chapter 1 verse 29. It says, next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the Lamb of God. Jesus was the sacrifice that there could be no other sacrifice. He was the answer that there could be no other answer. And so this morning, as we gather, we're talking about something much bigger than any of us in this room. We're talking about eternal things the issue of life, the issue of our souls, the issue of eternity. These are very big topics. Have you settled this in your heart? Has this been dealt with in your mind? Do you have assurance that you are covered by the blood of Christ? That you have received the gift of eternal life? That you've repented and received and have been atoned for your sins? If so, has it moved you to share it? Has it impacted you in a way that you desire others to know? Has it motivated you to reveal this truth to others? Because that's really the question. These are all beautiful things to talk about, but God is is looking at our heart, and he's saying, what about you? Where is your faith today? What is your faith in today? And if your faith is in me, and, and you're trusting me with this, Am I not also worthy to be shared with others? Isn't it worthwhile to be poured out into other people's lives so that they too can have this hope? They too can have this life. My encouragement to all of us in this room is let's be committed. Nothing I have said this morning has been new to you. But my prayer is that it motivates us Because we don't need new information. We need to be reminded of what we should already be doing. I need to be reminded every day of who I am in Christ and what I am to do as his follower. We need to realign our lives back on the path that leads to life. We have to realign literally every moment back to Christ. We have to always remind ourselves that it's only by his shed blood, it is only by his sacrifice, it is only by his grace that I have any purpose for today. This moment has value because of him. This day has value because of him. This year has value because of him. My relationships have value because of him. My job has value because of him. If you separate him from any of them, they become worthless. But by his blood, you've been set free. And in that freedom, we are to share it. Are we willing to do that today? As we prepare our hearts to come to the table where we truly, he said, look, as often as you gather together, don't forget this. Because we are inclined to forget. It's easy for us to forget what our purpose is, what our place in this life is, why we do what we do. Let us not forget. It is by his body that was broken and by his blood that was shed that we have eternal life. And so as we come to the table this morning of communion, Let us prepare our hearts. We're told in Corinthians to take this extraordinarily seriously. This is not a ritual. This is not, hey, it's that time again. Let's do that thing again. This is thinking and focusing and worshiping on an eternal level. This is tuning your spirit into the God of the universe. This is reflecting on the salvation that has been brought to you. And it is a time we're told to search our hearts, to search our lives, to see if there's anything that needs to be cleansed, anything that needs to be changed, anything that God needs to take and and take from us and heal us from. Whether it's bitterness or anger, hostility, it's things that we're holding on to that we should not be holding on to. This is the moment to release that. This is the moment to forgive that person, to forgive that situation, to let it go, give it to God and allow Him to have justice. This is that moment to prepare our hearts to celebrate in remembrance the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so, as we come to this most valuable moment, let us take it very seriously.